Welcome to We're Not Wizards. We are the best, but not wizards. Enjoy the show! simply because when I have normally been doing this and we're not recording the video so anytime you think I'm being stupid you can just like make faces at me and stuff like that right but normally anytime I have a podcast guest they've either podcasted once or twice or they've not podcasted at all the number of people that I kind of do this with it's like have you done any podcasts and they're like no so I've got to gently take them by the hand and I'll be honest with you, while Mr. Bonacore claims he's the podcast, he, the podfather, podfather. <laughs> the podfather of podcasting, I think you're the quieter guy that stands in the corner to the kind of like the left-hand side of like Capone, kind of, you know, making sure that things happen in the background. Because let's face it, Bonacore's become a bit of a, he's become a bit laxadaisical. He's a bit kind of, you know, he's retired. He's not doing very, very much. Well, you're, you're working away, Mr. Trevichek, in the background. You're still working away, making games, creating games, kind of getting the, the word out there. So, still in the business, that is true. Still in the business. So that's why I consider you scarier. And it's, and as I say, it's, was it 268 episodes or something like that that you've done of... Game Insider or something. Two hundred and eighty, yes, and uh, I have oh. a Polish podcast. Polish podcast. We just recorded this week uh, three hundred and fifty. Wow. So, so this mm-hmm. is all. This is all. So yes, I, I, you, know, you, yeah. can, you can understand. You can understand. I'm just like, I'm just like, what, what, what else do we get? So, hello, welcome to We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I shall be your host for this evening, and it is jo- it is the glorious end of August where it's continued to be like scattered showers all over the place. You know, I am, I don't know, I'm considering just casting myself off into an island, just being like a little bit of a Robinson Crusoe. I don't know. I need to do a bit of detective work just to figure out what I'm going to be doing next. I have no idea. Maybe I might disappear. Go go sunnier claims and become a football manager and just look after my own team or go into battle. I have no idea. Or maybe, you know, one thing I might do just to escape everything is to dig underground, become myself a bit of a miner and go and work for the Empire. So there's only one person. If you're going to take a huge portal all of this and step through and have a chat, it's got to be. Let's face it, he's a legend. I mean, he's like, he's, he's, he's better than the podfather. If you got the podfather, you'd be disappointed. This is the guy that stands in the corner just steal, <laughs> staring at you with his steely eyes and saying, you better be recording this right. Otherwise, you're not just going to have cardboard cuts, you're going to get paper cuts. <laughs> it's the wonderful, fantastic build-up of the century, Mr. Ignacy Trevicek. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, hello. Thank you. How are you doing? That is the most epic introduction I had in my career. And I did a ton of interviews. Like, let's face it, like, I've been in the industry for more than 20 years. That was the most epic. So congratulations. I, you know, there was, there's like, it's like Rocky. There's a training montage video (laughs) of me training to do this intro. Like, it's like me kind of heavy lifting kind of thesauruses and then... There's a scene of me checking your website just to go through all the games that you've done and then trying to make a list and then getting it wrong and then trying to make a list and eventually getting it right. And then, you know, I was like, I'm like Eminem at the beginning of 8 Mile, just fumbling over my words to the end and then I'm just coming, kind of coming straight through. So, it was, it so was a know. winner. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And now we can end the show because we can all go home. Because <laughs> yeah. from now on, from now on, let's it face it. Better, right? <laughs> it just it just goes downhill from it just goes downhill from now. Um, <clears throat> I've got a couple of questions. Normally, in these things, 
we do like um i'm a bit sad at the moment because i always like to refer to myself as kind of like the mark the might have been called the michael parkinson of kind of like board game interviews it's like a long form interview unfortunately some sad news that mr parkinson passed away not too long ago so i'm in a bit of mourning and also because i'm pretty sure I mean, are you at the point now where you talk about your origin story and you just kind of like make up different things? You add in different <laughs> details as to how you I'm got into, into board games. <laughs> you know, like, it was a sunny July. It was snowing and there was bananas all across the field. And I picked up my case of Scrabble and I and I and I kind of started. Um, but anyway, so we're gonna we're just gonna get into some, we're gonna do some topic stuff because topic stuff is good. You didn't go to Gen Con for the first time in this 10 year, years. This year, this, this year, for the first time in 10 years, I, I wow. said uh, I need a break. Mm, uh, it was ridiculous. For 10 years, uh, my vacation time, my summer mm. time, uh, was uh, flying to America and uh, having some fun in America because it's an interesting country to travel. Yeah. Uh, but of course, there was of stress and pressure every single year with the new release uh, for Gen Con. And uh, this year, uh, we found a big plan. I would not say that it was a plan, but it, that happened that our release, uh, release, uh, the main release was rather focused for Essence. So we said we don't have a new release for Gen Con. We could yeah. try to push it. We could try to, you know, move it. But we said, uh, don't rush it. Don't put pressure on, on ourselves. Let's see what happens if you don't go to Gen Con and have some new data uh, yeah. new information to analyze. Yeah, uh, and uh, I will have this data, of course, after Essence. So, for the past ten years, uh, the strategy for my company was uh, to go for GenCon with the release. Yeah, hope for the successful release, for hope for some hype from America, and then go to Essence with the game that already has a hype from yes. GenCon from America. This year, for the first time in ten years, we need to build this hype right now before mm-hmm. Essence, but without this uh, post GenCon hype. Uh, so this was uh, my decision, my my experiment. On on the other hand, we knew we were uh, aware that uh, this year at Gen Con there will be a Disney Lorcana release. Yeah. We didn't expect what happened because it was absolutely ridiculous what happened at Gen Con and Disney Lorcana. But we knew it would be a huge title. We knew that mm. it would be very hard to break through the noise uh, to get the message about our game while everybody will be just talking about the Disney Lord Khan and Disney Lord Khan. Yes, yes, so, yes. Uh, I don't know what's your perception. I don't know what's perception of your listeners and uh, fans of board games. But if I ask you to list 10 hot games from Gen Con, I don't know if you're able to do that. If you're just saying, okay, Gen Con was Lord Kana and uh, we don't know what else because it was so strong a message of Lord Kana. So I don't know. Uh, as I said, the experiment for me for the first time Hmm. I spent for the first time in ten years. I spent summer in Poland, which is cool. Wow! Uh, I spent I spent it here with my family, uh, wow. and uh, my team is working very very hard to prepare for the release in yeah. Essen yeah. without the hype from GenCon. Yeah, my view on Lorcana was, I think it was used as a hype train, and I can't see it benefiting everybody else there, because my view on it. Okay, so. Say you're like, you know, Portal Games is going, it's releasing its neck, it's releasing its next big thing, you know, and then, but it's got to stand. But everybody else around that, you're never going to get kind of like queues for hours and hours for people to see a certain game. There's going to be certain titles that are going to do kind of very, very well. There's going to be a buzz about them. But I don't think they would parasitically take time and people away from it i think everybody it's kind of the that old saying about the the kind of the 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 tide the rising tide lifting all the ships at the same level Mm -hmm. and i think that lorcana maybe damned off some of that hype to itself to the detriment of kind of like other people i think there was ironically i think there was two things that people spoke about one of them was disney lorcana and the only game that I saw gotten hyped was that um, castle game from those two alleged guys that <laughs> stole those two pallets. Which seems if, you, if you look at like the BGG hotness at the moment, I think it's kind of like the number one, number one game. Um, I mean that, but to me, that's um, I don't because 
people are there is a hype machine, but I have started to see people talking about well, I couldn't get my my I couldn't get my booster sets and my starter sets to Lorcana. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people saying, Did you go down to Walmart? Or did you go down to the local corner store? Because it looks like Ravensburger is yes. flooding the place with Absolutely. all these kind of starter the distribu- sets. They have sets. A huge distribution, yeah. Yes. So they've got they've kind of got that kind of good that distribution distribution nailed on the other side for yourself was it nice not to have to deal with i'm guessing the logistics of the travel the expense of the flights having to sit in airports for hours you know yeah that is very interesting balancing act so on one hand as i said for the first time i I was able to spend the summer with my family here in poland uh, which Mm. which was very cool On the other hand, I was seeing on my Facebook, obviously, my Facebook feed is obviously industry people. So oh. I saw everybody at Gen Con, everybody in the pubs, everybody discussing what's going on. I said, oh, yeah. my God, they're having fun and, at Gen mm. Con, and I'm here in Poland stuck. Uh, and once again, uh, exactly what you're mentioning, for fans of the board games, you, you guys cannot even imagine how much stress and pressure there is to deliver the product on one particular day Yes. In different continent. For me, it's a different continent. I need to ship it yes. uh, from Europe or from China to America, and I cannot miss a day. It must be on Wednesday. This particular Wednesday, it has to make it to Indianapolis. Yes. So the pressure, the all the, the adventures we had for years with uh, customs, uh, with some uh, the truck companies, uh, like all the different stories. <laughs> and uh, each year we made it. Each year we had the product on site. Each year we had uh, a release at Gen Con. Um, but the amount of stress and pressure is insane. So uh, once again, it's a balancing act. On one act, on one side, I was um, missing my friends, industry friends, and missing these pubs and uh, game game discussions. Uh, of course, it's a part of the industry that I love. Yes. But not having to ship games for Gen Con uh, was quite an awesome, awesome thing. <laughs> no pallets. No splinters yeah. on the hands from yeah. having to actually. I bet. I bet you that now have a cupboard full of cling film though of of wrap that you didn't we, use for wrap in the past. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and now we are preparing for Essen, and the product mm. for Essen is already printed. It is already ready in our warehouse. So mm. on that side, we have no pressure whatsoever. Uh, we know that we are prepared um, for Essen very well, and uh, this will be a good show for us in terms of the no pressure, no stress. Yeah, yeah, because Essen, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've not been... It's four weeks, wow. But it's more of an industry, it was originally more of an industry-focused event. It was about the presentation of product and kind of forming relationships. It was always always a fair where you can buy games. So Gen Con is a little bit different. Gen Con is a full-blown convention. You go to the role-playing game sessions, you can play live-action role-playing games, you have a science fiction uh, writers, you know, signing books. Like you have a mm. full-blown uh, nerd heaven, right? Uh, <laughs> while, while Essen is just uh, go, buy a game, yeah. good night. <laughs> yeah. We don't have yeah. anything for you uh, after the, you bought the game. There is no seminars, no role-playing games, no games room, like no, these things is a pure... One huge, amazing uh, game store. You go, you spend uh, five hundred euro, and yes. you go. Yes, yeah. In terms of a, in terms of a business, then is is Gen Con about building hype and Essen about shifting units for you? Then are you more likely right. to sell yes. a lot more units at, uh, at each, kind of each, Essen? Each, yeah? each, yes, each year, uh, if you look in the uh, numbers game, uh, Gen Con in most cases, many cases, was closer to being red numbers, which is that we are losing money because yeah. of the high cost, because of the accommodation, because of the prices, etc., etc. But mm-hmm. these red numbers give you a marketing push to have a green numbers that is income uh, at Essen. That was four years. Uh, for us, that case, as I said, this year we decided we don't need any pressure in our life. We don't need the red numbers <laughs> in our life. So yeah. Let's just hope for the green numbers in Essen. And also, I guess there's also, as you get older as well, there's the whole thing about, am I, it's like trying something new and trying something kind of different as well. I mean, you, I mean, this must be a, it was, I take it you must have went through a couple of times where you went, oh, we are going to go or we're not going to go. Or were you quite set in your plans from the beginning that you definitely weren't going to 
to Gen so, Con this year. So many of, of your listeners, many of, of, of gamers know me as a game designer, but actually I see myself and what I actually do on a regular basis. I'm a marketing person. Like I'm working mm. in a marketing department. And of course, yes, I designed a couple of games uh, and they're pretty okay. But my day-to-day job every single mm. day is a marketing. And what we do in the marketing, what is uh, what I was learning for years about that, is always testing. This yeah. ad is working or this ad is working. This copy is better or this copy is better. This YouTube mm. miniature is better or this YouTube miniature is better. Like uh, in marketing, you're always testing what's, what will be tempting and good for the customers to reach for the product. So I'm my DNA is always trying new things and seeing what happens. So as I said, this year we are testing, uh, what happens if you don't go to Gencon? Is disaster <laughs> or maybe no? Did we save some money or did we lost some money? So yeah. uh, I like testing, I like experimenting. And uh, you know, I'm working in this industry for over 20 years. It's good to have some new challenges and some new ideas and some new things to test. Is it is it trying to also keep the kind of the excitement to give yourself yeah. a slightly different challenge as well? Can I because I can imagine you could just, and I'm sure there are people that you will see if you saw them at Gen Con, you would have seen them at UK Games Expo, and then there's people that just go from convention to convention. You see them at UK Games Expo, you see them at then you see them at Essen, the kind of the next thing, and they do that's what Correct. they do. That is their kind of their marketing thing. Correct, correct. And are you just trying to, as you say, you're trying new things to kind of, I guess, kind of keep it exciting and get you looking at stuff from kind of different angles as well? You know, yeah. the, this is, for me, it's a new challenge because now I need to put a much more effort uh, to promote the game without the hype from Gen Con. So there's uh, a lot of new tasks for me, and this is, this is cool. I like uh, new mm. tasks. And uh, once again, the industry is changing. Uh, Asmodee is just getting bigger and bigger every year. And we independent publishers need to find uh, new tools, new ideas. And uh, when I was considering, I can go to GenCon, I can spend uh, that much money, and then be just crushed by hype from Disney Lorcana or a new Star Wars game from from uh, uh, Asmodee. Yeah. Why spend this money on, on yeah. GenCon? And just everybody will be talking about Lorcana anyway. So I might be wrong. Uh, we don't know. Some publishers went for GenCon, and as I said, I don't know if they break to the noise of, of Disney Lorcan. I'm not sure. And I saved some money and now I'm spending them on some Facebook <laughs> ads, YouTube ads, preparation. So I'm trying to invest this money in different way. As I said, we will and how my company is working, we evaluate at the end of the year the whole process, what we did this part this particular year, yes, how we spend money, where were our gains, where were our losses losses. And we will evaluate at this point. Uh, being uh, two weeks after Gen Con, I don't feel like uh, like I'm not sitting at home and in the office saying, "Oh my God, uh, there was a mistake. What I did, there was yeah. stupid." Yeah, I yeah. don't have this 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 feeling. I yeah. rather think uh, I think it was good that I was not trying to compete with Disney World Canada. We will see what will happen at this. Well, I think as I say, I think you're right, and that the, the you know, and I joked about the two headlines, but I've not. There is usually like a a, a darling of the show that comes out of nowhere that people kind of talk about at Gen Con and I've not, I'm yet to, I'm yet to see that, that, that kind of, yeah. You mentioned, um, Asmodee. Now I think we're probably wearing the same set of shoes when it comes to Asmodee. I am, I'm not concerned, but I'm very concerned when you get people that are involved in a company because of the money and they only see the money. And I already see that, you know, it was funny that the the last thing I heard from the Embracer group that own Asmodee was something about, well, they lost out on a big deal from Saudi Arabia. And I'm kind of like, okay, but I'm yet to hear the stories about Embracer group gets involved in 24-hour board game charity. Or I'm yet to hear the story about here's one of the, the heads of Asmodee's kind of current top 10 games that they're like. There doesn't seem to be the kind of the personal side to Asmodee. And they talk about kind of um, issues and challenges with things like customer service and things like that. My opinion on it is I think there needs to be board games are built around people and communities and i think that the money can only keep you going for so long before people start to go actually we need to kind of like the personal touch in terms of your distribution model i mean how do you deal 
with this? Are you fully distributing all the products yourself? Do you go to kind of smaller distribution companies to deal with any kind of distribution that you deal with? Yes, Portal, Game, Portal Games is uh, four years since 2015. So it's uh, like seven mm. years right now, eight years right now. We are wow. distributed in America by uh, PSI, which is um, uh, one of the biggest distributors in, in America. And we work with uh, uh, smaller distributors, but also the biggest one in America, so ACD, GTS, etc., etc. So we have the full-blown distribution uh, established for years. Uh, uh-huh. The games like Robinson Crusoe, First Martians, Detective, all these games were always available in America very, very easily. Uh, but of course, as you as you said, the environment in America is changing. These distributors, I don't want to go too deep into that because I don't want to get in trouble. But basically, yes. my, my yeah. perception is that these, these those distributors these days are weaker, smaller than they used to be because yes. uh, North America Asmodee is a new distributor in America that uh, was founded a couple of years ago and is getting bigger and bigger. They have in a catalog Asmodee games, which is basically most of the games on the market right now. Yes. So all those five distributors who were in uh, keeping the whole industry five years ago, 10 years ago, and I was signing with them contracts and they were very powerful. And now they are not that powerful because Asmodee is the most powerful uh, player in the, in the industry. So yes, for us, for our company, what we see, we still have the same reach as we used to have. So like I still have access to all stores in America. And if there is any gamer in America, if they want my game, they can go to a local game store and says, I want to buy Detective. And this local game store can buy it from the distributor, no problem. Yes. But on the other hand, I see that the numbers of the games sold per year are smaller because mm. we are competing with the big gorilla, big, big, big game. And the push of new games of Star Wars, new game of Lord of the Rings, new game of all these amazing IPs are put on the shelves and the retailers don't always think about some Vienna connection without an yeah. IP or some other smaller game. So we see that the, our distribution chain is the same as it used to be five or 10 years ago, but the numbers we are building with these distributors are smaller than they were in this couple of years ago because of this very, very high competition model. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm s- uh, I'm still happy doing what I love, which is games. I'm selling yeah, these yeah. games, so um, uh, maybe it is not good to complain. But being realistic, yes, uh, the, the distribution these days is uh, harder than it used to be a couple of years ago. Mm. So are you are you looking into like different ways of distribution, like say the likes of kind of like your, like let's look at the other big boy, Amazon. I mean, is that yes. something that you would look at, jump into yes, you yes, currently? We, Yes, we couple couple of years ago we we decided to put much more effort in our own web store to get direct to the customer. And with mm. our web store, we have a very good numbers, and we have a lot of loyal fans who buy directly from us. And yes, we invest a lot in Amazon as well. Our products on Amazon are we care a lot for our products at Amazon. So all the pages yeah. are uh, beautiful pictures, exactly perfect description, all the things that you can make happen that that figure yes. game at amazon are done so uh, these are the tools that we are using to increase ourselves as simple as that yeah yeah are you do you are you on a have you got a kind of a seller central setup so you selling directly to consumer or do you sell to amazon and then they sell the games we on? sell to amazon we we are using You're the PSI company yes the, we are the, one of the vendors working with, with amazon and amazon is listing these games as an official so yes, we have it, everything intact. Okay, okay, okay. Let's um, let's go, let's go get away from the coal mine of Amazon and let's talk about other bits of mining. Let's talk about kind of imperial miners. And mm-hmm. I know it's a record for me to actually start talking about somebody's game, kind of <laughs> before forty-five minutes have kind of gone past. But let's um, let's talk about imperial miners because it's based on it's based it comes in the same universe as imperial settlers. Am I, this am is, I correct? This is, yes, yes. This interesting. This interesting case. We are doing it for the first time in the company. So I'm very eager to see what will happen and how the perception of fans and, and feedback will be. Because Imperial Setters is a game that I designed uh, almost ten years ago, and then wow. I did uh, Imperial Setters Empires of the North, standalone game in the same mm. universe. Once again, mm. designed by me, 
and then I did EPR set as roll and write. Once again, my game in the same universe uh, and yeah. shooting roll and write. And now, for the first time, in the same universe, universe of Imperial Setters, in the same genre of the game that is a card-driven uh, engine builder, we have the game from the dif- dif- different designer. Uh, so Tim Armstrong, designer of Arcana Rising and Orbis, he sent us a prototype of the game. It was yeah. not Imperial Setters. It was a game about uh, um, diving in the seas. And we played the prototype. We said, uh, Tim, we love the prototype. It's really yeah. smart, interesting game. Uh, but... We don't fancy a game of the divers. Like, can we change the theme? What do you think? And and Tim said, uh, if you're going to publish the game, if you're going to yeah. care for the game, push it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's discuss changing the theme. And we said, uh, Portal Games is uh, known in the industry for engine building games like Imperial Settlers yeah. for years. Uh, let's yes. do because your game is engine builder. Let's do it as a part of this family. And uh, one of the most famous. Uh, families of games in the industry these days is a cartographers and cartographers is like a whole family of the great games in the one world but these games are very different but it's a one world cartographers so we said to team team let's do your game in a part of imperial setters the universe we will retheme the game we will do amazing artwork amazing components and it will make perfect sense because the engine builder and team said uh, green light let's do this (laughs) and then uh, my development uh, team spend a couple of weeks, or I think it was two months, uh, changing all the cards yes. uh, to feed uh, our words, to feed our uh, our uh, IP. And I think they did a great, great job. So uh, for all of your listeners who will play this game, if they don't know the backstory, if they don't know the game was in the beginning about the divers, yes. they would think it was uh, natively designed that way. Like the factions that my team... Uh, my development team added to the game the small interactions uh, between these factions and special rules work perfectly with the theme of the game. So kudos to them. Uh, and now we are buying the game mm-hmm. that feels like perfect Imperial Setters game. <laughs> and it's amazing, even though it was done post-factum, after the game was designed, after yeah, the yeah, game yeah, was yeah. playtested, suddenly yeah. we said, okay, the game is amazing, but let's change <laughs> the theme. <laughs> Uh, so kudos to my team. And now, yes, Imperial Setters, uh, Imperial Miners, standalone game by the different designer, different rules, uh, different uh, set of uh, nice tricks and nice ideas in the game, uh, but one big family Imperial Setters. Did you then have to make sure that you weren't changing a lot of the game? Because I can imagine... I can imagine it's like it would be like a director directing an entire seven series of a TV show and then having another director coming in as a, as a giving them a new chance. You, did you have yes. to kind of go, oh, I need to I need to let them kind of breathe themselves and discover their own kind of design shoes? You're, you you're absolutely right. And uh, my, my, my team uh, was in touch with, with Tim, so there is like in, in information team these mm. cars work like that in your prototype. We want to change yeah. it that way. Like this is uh, these tokens work like that in your game. We want to mm. make it like these tokens, and uh, so it was like a small steps of, of changes. Uh, everything was accepted by by team, and now, uh, as I said, I'm very proud. I actually believe it or not, but today I was mailing with team because he just received the uh, his copies, like designer copies. Wow! <laughs> finally, finally, he received it. He sent me email that. The game looks absolutely gorgeous, and he's very proud, and very happy. <laughs> and he and he uh, he asked me uh, today in the email. He was asking me, uh, "Are we making it for Essen? Like it is that we are ready for Essen? <laughs> yes, everything is clean. We will make it for Essen." So wow. he's <clears throat> eager for the official release of the game as well. Um, but uh, exactly this week, he received his uh, his copies, and he he said, "Good job, Portal Games." So I'm very proud that he's happy. <laughs> because I think I think it's it's easy to forget that often when a designer designs a game and it goes through the development and the printing, the first time they get to see the finished product is when it's they've done a couple of runs and it's kind of going out into the wild as well. So I guess you kind of forget that they're they're looking on this. And have they has the designer have they designed a couple of games before? Is this like their first he did two games that are uh, quite um, recognizable in the industry. One was Orbis with Asmodee, and one uh-huh. was Arcana Rising with Grey Fox Games. Both uh-huh. very good, very smart uh, yeah. games. 
So he has some uh, yeah, some respect in the industry already, but he's still a young designer in the industry. So we hope he will bring uh, more amazing games in the future. But this year he's coming with us with this new game. And as I said, I'm very proud. I'm very happy that he's proud. So now fingers crossed that people will like the game. So if you were if you were going to give us like the 30 second pitch of what Imperial Miners is all about, for people uh, who are looking uh, at it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you like engine builders, this is most important. So you are building your own tableau, you are building your own cards, you are building mm-hmm. synergies between cards. I put this card, so I activate this card, so I have this victory points, so I get this resource. Like we all know the gens. Like we are building our farm mm-hmm. of victory points and we are getting them from other places. So this is this type of the game. And where is the twist? Where is the this uniqueness that I fell in love when I was signing the game? We play all simultaneously. Uh, and this is not that obvious for engine builders. And you guys uh, remember mm. that when you play engine builders, we all love these combos. We all love these amazing synergies that we are building. Yes. But the downtime in these games can be killing because you're waiting for other player. When he yes. finishes his combo, he gets 25 points. It takes five minutes. Yes. And in this game, what team has said, team said I'm doing it. Uh, everybody plays a, one card at once. Everybody activates their combo at once, and then we move to the next round. And suddenly, what what he achieved to do is that you are getting this adrenaline, this uh, positive push when you are activating your card. You are getting these victory points. You are getting all these amazing, cool things. And mm. then you look at other players, and they just finish their round as well. And you also another round. And so you have another <laughs> round. You get all these amazing victory points. You get all these amazing yeah. resources. You look yeah. at the table. Next round, and there is no freaking downtime. So yes. he, he was he managed to pack the actual engine building fun, getting these ridiculous uh, number of victory points and resources in half an hour game. Maybe not, maybe half an hour, maybe not. Forty minutes, forty minutes without the downtime. And this is the, the 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 biggest point of the game that I love the game. And you can play it two player, three player, four player, five player, and it always is forty minutes because we play all together. And wow. Uh, Dive Tower uh, released uh, two days ago a uh, review and they said that this is multiplayer solitaire, which is uh, true. So we are playing multiplayer yes. at the table, but actually everybody is getting their victory points like crazy and we are just checking if, if everybody is okay. So great fun in 40 minutes and in each round you just get new stuff, new resources, new victory mm-hmm. points and you are very happy because you have this positive push in every single round. And as I said, plays 40 minutes, uh, beautiful production, amazing uh, illustrations. Uh, so yeah, no brainer for me. Are you? Do you take cards from the same pool or are you dealing with your own deck of cards? Yes. Or is yeah, everybody yeah, taking yeah, the cards yeah, from like a central yeah. pool? So there Correct. is some kind of trying to grab cards from other people you, are, you, are draw, you are drawing them from the, from the deck so you don't know what you will draw right so mm. so there's not not the open market of the cards you just draw from the top of the card mm-hmm. of the of the deck so as for the interaction between the players not much it's uh, just we play together and we check who, who gets the most victory points like in most of euro games like i, yes. I always give these examples you play a beautiful golem from cranio creation you play a beautiful praga capudregni from vlada so all these big euro games they're always multiplayer, but solitaire because you're making these combos, you're making these synergies, mm-hmm. and you're not attacking each other. If you want mm-hmm. to attack each other, you go to play Blood Rage, which is amazing, right? <laughs> or you just get a pillow and you just start smacking the you other person across well. it. I mean, you might, as well, you might as well do it directly. After the game, big pillow fight. And then you can have s'mores or you can have, you can have, you can have, can I have, can I have whatever. In terms of you mentioned get is ready for s and you also mentioned it's printed as well yes so everything is ready so everything is already the game the copies of the games are all printed so you're not going to any kind of crowdfunding platform or anything like that at all no everything is ready we have the game on a pre-order right now on the website and Uh uh, people who pre-order from us will get it two weeks before s and because of Mm -hmm. course we appreciate the, the support for the publisher so yes everything is ready s and in four weeks in five weeks so yes it's happening was that was that again? Was that not a bit different from what you've done before? Because like the previous game I saw was like eleven, which uh, was, was on game, which was on GameFound. Yes, we 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 split our titles, split our catalog in uh, two categories: mm-hmm. uh, the games that go to the directly to the retail, and the games that go to the crowdfunding. Was the what's the rule? Was the uh, reason to do that? Uh, for a game like 
uh, uh, like Imperial Miners, is again yes. part of the family of Imperial Setters. We know that there is so many fans of Imperial Setters. There is a yes. fan base. We know that we can release this game, and we know that people will be waiting in the stores to buy. It's a safe bet to reach our fans with a game that we know they love it. But then yeah. we do some experiments, uh, because I have mentioned we do a lot of experiments. So yes. when I get the prototype of the game that is about the football, and nobody cares about the football in America, apparently, <laughs> uh, I'm not that sure if there will be a line in the stores to buy a game of the football, right? About the soccer. Yes. So yes. for unique themes, for the weird ideas, like I, we did a Kickstarter also for my game, Pret-a-Porter. Pret-a-Porter is an economic game about the fashion industry. Who yes. the hell wants to buy the game of the fashion industry? Not many people properly. So we are not risking that. So for these weird ideas, for the weird uh, games that I think that deserve to be published, yeah. deserve to be on the shelves on the players, but I don't feel comfortable risking a lot of money to go to the printer and then be surprised. I say, yeah. let's check it. Let's go to the yeah. game found. Let's see if there are backers. There are backers. We print it. So, so the, this this very simple distinction. If there is a if the game is part of the our existing line, if you know there is a fan base, we go directly to retail. We don't bother with the Kickstarter. If there is very interesting, original, but weird theme, uh, let's check out the Kickstarter first. Let's see if there is indeed a demand for the game. It's just it's it's quite it's quite an eclectic kind of different mix of games. Because, yep. you know, obviously I was looking through kind of the stuff that you've done. So there's things like Monolith Arena yep. all the way to Preta Porta. And I'm like, I can't imagine. I'd have loved to be in part of the conversation where you're all sitting around having a coffee or something. And you just say, do you know what we need? <laughs> what, a war game? No, not a war game. Are we doing another detective series? No, no, no. We need a game about the fashion industry. That's what we need. And they're like <laughs> checking your drink to see if somebody's put a whiskey in it. But, that is, yes, but if you think right. about it, it makes it makes absolute sense that you're quite literally putting together different components in order to kind of look at getting some kind of approval in order to kind of build towards this kind of end game kind of euro. And it's almost like it's not a case of, well, why hasn't it been done before? I understand about the football stuff. Because there is another, um, there's a there's a um, there's a good old Scottish boy up here, where I'm from, who's done a couple of football games, management games. One of them's like a card, um, a deck builder game, which is it's a beautiful kind of very quick, lovely kind of football game, but it's very very kind of UK and almost European focused. I could imagine exactly. putting it in or stores. America and, is crazy. Yeah. yeah, in America they're just like. No, I heard somebody saying the thing, the reason that Americans don't like soccer is because the scores aren't high enough. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, zero, no, zero. <laughs> just, just because you give seven points for a touchdown doesn't mean, <laughs> you know, does, doesn't mean that anybody's scoring higher. Actually, you just put the kind of the goals. But when you're, when you're looking at games, more interestingly, do you look at games based on, are you mechanically driven or theme driven? Do you look about and go, oh, I'm going past this sewing shop. I wonder if there's a game that we could make about sewing. Or are you a case of, I really like kind of this drafting mechanic and this take that mechanic. What kind of theme could I kind of fit around that instead? So which would, would yes, you kind yes. of drive we, from? When we, when we get the prototypes from the designers, when we work in the, in the house uh, with the development team, uh, we are trying to make games that the theme is extremely strongly shown through the rules. And yeah. this is true for most of our games that we released. So uh, I always say when I do a seminar at the convention that I have a huge respect for uh, Stefan Feld, one of the most famous German designers, but this is not my cup of tea. I have a huge respect for him. I met yes. him personally. He's so fun, amazing guy. Like you would not believe yeah. that he's so, so funny. Uh, so he's a great designer. But this is not my cup of tea. And if I have a submission submission of the new prototype from Stefan Feld, yes. I would most likely said, no, Stefan, go to somebody else because you have a great games, but they don't fit Portal games. Uh-huh. And on the other hand, you have a designer like Eric Lang, when they do a blood rage and you see everything is happening. We're yeah. getting these forces and fighting and getting all the things. So I see, okay, this is a Portal games game. 
which is a Simon game, obviously, but that is something that I would publish if I have a, this chance. So for us, when we are looking for the uh, for the prototype, for the new game, it is always, if at the end of the game, are you going to say that you achieved something and you can say something interesting thing that would happen, or you will just say, I scored 72 points. If you would just say you just scored 72 points, it's not interesting for me. But yeah. if you say that you beat that and go there and things happen, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. I said, okay, you got the interesting story, you got experience, you got some excitement. This is the game that I want to publish. So we are looking for the games that tell stories. This is our tagline, board games that tell stories. And it is not always true. Sometimes sometimes we will publish the game that is just strictly brilliant rules and not yes. much seem. But the, the main focus for the company is uh, if the game tells an interesting story and people will be talking about it afterwards. Do you make sure that you take enough time away from Portal just to sit down and enjoy playing games? And I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the reason for this because there's I saw a thread recently about people in the media side of things saying I feel a bit burned out. Is this the same thing? And it's a case of well, remember why you got into this in the first place was you, you you loved board games. So for for you, is it the same? Is it, do you make sure you take that time out? Absolutely. So the, the thing is that I am a really insane, insane, insane nerd and geek, and I play a ton of games. So uh, it's like a, these Euro games, these board games that we are discussing that I'm publishing is just a part of the craziness that I, I'm in because I play a lot of miniature games, like Games Workshop. Mm-hmm. I own they own me a lot of money for the past 30 years <laughs> I was buying these miniatures. <laughs> so I, I play a lot of miniature games, which is part of my hobby. The other thing is that I still play role-playing games. Uh, this is something that I, that brought me to the to the industry. I was, at the very beginning, I was a writer for role-playing games. And mm-hmm. I still, till today, I play with my, with my friends uh, role-playing games. And besides that, there's a third hobby that I have around our, our culture, our, our hobby is... Uh, war games like gmt games columbia yeah. games all these nerdy crazy games that have 40 pages of rules and very tiny tokens and very complex rules so besides uh, trying new samples uh, playing new games seeing what's disney lorcana seeing what's the new uh, from gen con seeing what's new from Essen, and it's yeah. part of the job sometimes yeah. uh, as you said sometimes i'm worn out and i don't want to see another game from Essen because i already tested 50 of them so but besides that, I'm still playing war games, historical war games, miniature games, role-playing games. So yeah, lots of gaming in my life. Have you have you seen this yet? I'm just gonna look. You're just gonna have to wait. Look. Have you seen this one at Halls all? Halls of Hegra. I saw it on a on a on a crowdfunding. Halls of Hegra. It's on my on my on my list to play. I saw and I heard good things about it. I keep I I like um I know um. Tom, the the guy from Tompet Games, he he was on the show oh ages and ages ago, and he did a he did a um um it's yeah Petter um he did um a game based around the Roman Empire called Donning mm-hmm. the Purple, and then Halls of Hegra kind of came out and uh, and uh, I thought wow I'm going to get my my hands on that, but um I saw David Thompson, who designed um well. Well, I mean, if I say I saw David Thompson, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's like, and he's saying, "Oh, this game's a masterpiece," and I'm like, "Well, I have to, <laughs> I yeah. have to." But what intrigues me is the solo play, the solo play kind of fact. It is just a solo player game, and I'm just wondering, kind of, what it's like to be like. So, it's good to hear that you've probably got it in your list. Have you got Have you got a copy yet, or are you, is it something you? I'm going to buy it, like I saw because it was delivered. Like if I think I see it on the social media, like for the months or something. Like this is, I think this is a new in terms of the delivering from the Kickstarter. So yes, it's on my list to buy. Ah, good, good, good. Well, I'll tell you what, I will I will play it, and then I will let you know how it plays. Basically, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I don't know because it's one of these things. Because I got it myself, it's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and kind of, I want to, I'm gonna just write some words on it sometimes. But it's, again, it's that pressure of because you're in the kind of the the media type of stuff, and I'm sure you feel the same thing as well because the the side of the industry that you're in, it's like you see a new game and it's like, oh, could I, what could I do with this that would help, kind of what I'm I'm kind of doing. But one of the one of the questions that 
and leading leading into one of the questions that I did have, which was, there's a lot of media people about, and in, especially in like the last kind of even four or five years, with the different kind of platforms that are available and things like that. You've got your TikTok and you've got your Instagrams and stuff like that as well. How how do you even begin to kind of decide who you kind of want to work with? It's difficult. It is is a great question, and uh, to be honest, at this very moment, uh, I'm struggling. Like. Uh, as I was mentioning this five years ago, 10 years ago, it, life was so much simpler. There was Rodney Smith, there was Tom Vassell, and there was like a, two other or three other YouTubers, and we were just yeah. sending out review copies, and that's all. And now you have uh, TikTok influencers, and you need to understand uh, the TikTok to see who is an uh, important influencer on TikTok. You have uh, the whole thing with Instagram. Uh, so we are struggling. Uh, I don't know how it's for another publishers, but for us, on one hand, we work with the uh, reviewers that we are working for years, yeah. uh, but it's hard for us to decide which of the new ones uh, influencers are important and which one to work with. On one hand, of course, I would love to send the uh, review copies to everyone, but that means I print 1,000 copies and I give out 1,000 copies. This is obviously impossible, right? So yeah. we need to pick. We need to to have these uh, 20, 50. Uh, copies uh, of reviews and decide where to ship them. So I think that this is the question that is very important, uh, very good, and I don't have a good answer. Right? This is really for us struggle to see where is the most value for the customers, where is the most value uh, for the gamers, where they can get the best review, best uh, feedback about the game. I think it comes down to the kind of the, the success um, and how do you measure the success? You know, if somebody has, if somebody comes to you and says, I've got an audience of, you know, a couple of hundred people, but these people are constantly buying product or you can trace back and they are continually buying or they're saying, oh, I just bought this based on you. And the other side of it is like kind of like permanency as well. It's like, I've had this discussion before, but it's like if somebody does do like say a TikTok video or an Instagram reel or a Facebook video, how long does that stay in, how long does that actually stay in circulation? You know, and also you get the other side of it. So if somebody does like a three minute YouTube video, is that too short for anybody can, to consider? But at the same time, you know, if it's getting like a couple of hundred views, how many of those hundred views um, are actually are actually going ahead and kind of purchasing the game I, or being more I, informed about the game? I, I can imagine it being an absolute I, I, nightmare. You know? Yeah, I totally agree, and you're absolutely right uh, here that we as a publishers, I, I'm speaking about uh, my company, but I think that I speak about many companies. We don't have uh, knowledge and expertise to actually be able to analyze where is the best value to send these review copies, who has the yeah. loyal fans, who has the impact on the sales, who is uh, the reviewer that people actually listen to. Uh, so it is very difficult, as I said, uh, at this point, we are shipping review copies to the people that we were always shipping to. Yes. And I know that I should adjust to the new times, to the new technologies, and I just don't know how. It's just, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't know myself. And I'm somebody that I look at social media, but then again, I think one of the, one of the strange things about it, one of the things I heard, and you'll know this about the podcasting, is it somebody say, I saw somebody saying that if you get like a hundred downloads on your podcast, you're automatically in like the top 5% of all podcasts ever kind of made. And if you get like, you know, a couple of thousand, then you're into like the top half a percent or something like that. And it's like, so how many people do I know that I've got a podcast where they get a couple of hundred listens? Who yeah, are, are going to be in and You know, you mentioned that the this one thing is the numbers. So how many views, how many listens, and yeah, then yeah. do you have this authority that your listeners, your viewers trust you, and they will make a purchase based on your review? Yes, right? like yes. because from many reviewers, from many podcasters, we get the stats, we get the data, so they provide us. This is how many podcasts we recorded, this is how many downloads we have, this is how many audience we have on our Discord, this is how many uh, audience we have on our Facebook. But what they cannot provide is, if we publish review, if people trust us, if people listen to our opinion, if yes. uh, people respect our 
call to action. This game is amazing. Buy it. And we as publishers have no clue. So we just ship these games uh, to the reviewers that we trust. Mm-hmm. They create a great content because, of course, we watch the content. So we, we, we send to those that we think they create a great content. And then we keep our fingers crossed that some other people think that the content is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you... Um, is the future plan for Portal, is it just to keep going until somebody grabs you by the collar and says, Ignacy, you have to get time for bed. Yeah, so for, for us, obviously, when I was starting the component, I had no plan that I would be almost 50 years old and still do the, the, the job. So yeah, I'm surprised that the gig lasted so long. Uh, at this point, uh, I don't have a strict plan that says uh, 10 more years and I'm done. There is no, no, no plan like that. Yeah. I'm working, I'm working uh, less than I used to work. I have a great team of people. Uh, we hire we hire new people, of course, every year, some new people joining our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my team is uh, here in Poland quite young. There is, uh, they are making fun of me that for some of them could be my, my kids. <laughs> this is insane. Uh, so <laughs> we Just tell slowly... them to go to their room then. <laughs> exactly. So we are in the situation that may be the case that in a couple of years, you know, the young team will be running the company and have a blast and have a this yeah. energy and this drive, and I will be maybe sitting in the back seat, just uh, <laughs> seeing how things are going. So no, there is no decision, no no plan. I'm loving what I'm doing. The, we are creating great games. We have some new interesting titles for the next year that we'll be announcing very very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, we are having fun. Uh, the company is bringing money, so this is good. So no changes planned for upcoming few years. But um, so here's a hypothetical question: if if a business approached you and they were selling, you know, if they were selling like say widgets and they were selling, well, we've got a solid project product and we have, we sell different types of widgets kind of every year and we develop new widgets and we need somebody who can help us with the marketing of the game that, you know, help us with the marketing of the product that can get it into reviewers hands that can deal with logistics and manufacturing and you'll get a nice wad of money off the back of it. Would you do that? Would you skip kind of industries to, or would, would it, is it the passion that kind of keeps you going as well? I would, I would say that five years ago or 10 years ago, I would definitely say, no, I love mm. what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm here and I can easily see myself, as you just said, like in five years yeah. that I'll be said, okay, I did, I did in board gaming well, I'm proud of what I did. Let's try something new. So at this point, I'm not tired yet. I'm still have a, excitement when I'm going to Essen and I'm yeah. looking at the geek list on board game geek what's what's new. Uh, but I can easily see myself that at some point I will say, hmm, let's, let's say something new. Because as I said at the very beginning, uh, my whole daytime job is testing, testing, testing. I like testing. Yeah, yeah. Would you consider like say maybe um ditching Bonacore and getting somebody who does work for a living to podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm- Stephen, if you're listening, I'm only joking. Or <laughs> am I? Or am I? Um, but I mean, you, you've you've got the podcast. You said you do your own. You would do your own kind of. You do your own uh, Polish podcast as well. With again, with you kind of like talking about the board game industry and stuff like that all the time. Do you? I mean, what do you? What do you have hobbies that don't involve? Yes, I'm, board games I'm, at all? Yes, I'm involved in in sports. Like uh, I'm uh, mm-hmm. not only uh, I play, but uh, besides playing football or volleyball, I also I also uh, support. Like I watch a lot of of sports in TV. I'm going mm-hmm. to the matches. I'm going uh, when Polish national team of volleyball plays. I go with them for the matches. So this is part of my uh, my 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 life, and I'm heavily heavily supporting uh, volleyball, Polish volleyball in general. And gaming, as I said, uh, my job is uh, Euro games, uh, board games, but I'm doing all these other gaming activities mm. that, I, that I love. And I'm also, as I mentioned, uh, full full geek. So I spend a ton of time uh, reading reading comic books and reading uh, science fiction and fantasy novels. Like uh, here is uh, Conan. Oh here wow! Is, okay. Here is Ed Brubaker. Like my okay. desk is full of comic books and and novels. So. Now, I read a lot, like uh, 
big part of the day, like an hour or, or maybe two hours a day, I'm just reading because I, I love great stories and uh, and science fiction and fantasy novels and comic books are absolutely just, amazing. Just bragging. It's just show me all these stuff. You don't have this though. You don't have the. I've got this. I've I got don't have holes of Hegel. I've got holes of Hegel. I, I hope I've to got bring holes them of Hegel. No, yes. I'm going to. I'm going to message. I'm going to message Peter on <laughs> Facebook and say, look, Ignacy Trevichek. You might have heard of him. He's a boy from Portal Games. Might want to buy a game from him. Might want to buy a game from him. Right. Right. He said some really, really terrible things about Dawn in the Purple. <laughs> he said it should have been called Dawn in the Brown because it was pretty bad. So I think you don't send them a copy, and you know maybe maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. or do you know what? I'll get them to sell. I'll get to send one to Bonacore, and then put a note inside saying, Julian "Don't let Ignacy, don't let Ignacy play this. Don't let Ignacy play this." Um, wonderful. Um, if I was going to, I mean, it's this sounds the most ridiculous question in the world, but if people have listened along this evening and they want to find out where you exist on the internet webs. Where do you exist on the internet webs? Where can they find you? This is very difficult for you listeners because my home base, uh, my, my starting point for finding me in the internet is my website. But my website address is my name and a surname, which for English speaking people is impossible to write in the internet. So if you manage to write in the internet ignacytrzewiczek.com, you will find my website and there's my blog and there's my podcast and there's everything. But I think that you have to go to Board Game Geek, find any of my games, then copy my name and then put my name into the Chrome and then you will find my blog. Or I could put the links in the show notes. That would be very nice. I could I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> so on a, on a serious on a serious note, every yeah. Friday every Friday I write an article about the mm. game design, about, about the industry, like things that are uh, important for me and hopefully for for you for the for the geeks. So every Friday once a week there is a new article on my on my blog. You can go there every week and read it, and then you find the links to my Twitter, my Instagram, my YouTube channel. Uh, but what I'm what I'm most proud of is my writing. Uh, I publish two books uh, about game design, and I keep writing these uh, articles every single Friday. So I invite you to ignacytrzewiczek.com, and uh, this is the starting point to learn about me. I will make sure that I put the links in the show notes so people can click away that. and they can read away. If you've listened along tonight and you like what you listen to with us, you can go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different places on the internet where they don't allow wizards. If you like what you've listened to, please go to your podcast catcher of choice and give us a rating or review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or review, give us more stars than you give Bonacore. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. It's not like a vendetta. There's nothing no, going no, on. No. It's not like he's he's been on the show. He doesn't feel like that, absolutely. It's not a vendetta. It's not. It's not. It's just he calls himself the podfather, right? And he's done 280 episodes. I'm like rocking almost 500 here. So, I mean, if he's coming for the crown, come on. Um, but go to your podcast catcher of choice and drop us some ratings. Remember, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes me cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. I'm just a little bit average, but the person who's not been average is a rather wonderful, rather fantastic Ignacy Trevichek. Thank you very, very much for guesting. There's Thanks only one more, well, two more things to do. First things to remember, we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Ignacy? On many levels, I would say yes. Right, okay. I'm sorry. I prefer Stephen. And it's and it's a time to also say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from, I was going to say he's the winning 11. I was going to say he's the man who would never <laughs> near Hiroshima hex you. He's the guy that would always make sure you were ready to wear. But he's a, just an absolute disappointment. Say goodbye, Ignacy. I'm sorry to disappoint you, uh, <laughs> wizard Ignacy. <laughs> And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rule sixes make something awful. And if there's one lesson, don't meet your heroes because they'll ultimately disappoint you. But until the next time, goodbye. Take care. Bye bye. A wizard is never late.
Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. 